Welcome to PwC IFRS Talks, your source of all things IFRS, technical accounting matters, business issues, current standard setting and regulatory updates. I'm your host, Ruth Preedy. Joining us today, she's back. Yay! It's my podcast twin. It's <laughs> Avni Mashri. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. And you're showing your broad range of technical oh, knowledge. I we're am. onto a new standard. We did leases last time. Today, we're doing business combinations under common yes. control. And now for something completely different. <laughs> now for something there's no guidance on. Brilliant. <laughs> um, so let's start at the beginning. What do we mean by business combinations under common control? So business combinations, just to take a real setback, so business combinations always involve two parties, so the acquirer and the acquiree. So when you have, and, and obviously one acquires, this is going more basic, one acquires the other. Um, a business combination under common control is where both the acquirer and the acquiree are both ultimately controlled by the same party. So it's, it's all, I always say, describe it in this way it's like your left hand and your right hand basically yeah. and you know you're moving one you know from something in, in that clap. hand <laughs> <laughs> well i mean if you did a clap that might be might a bit squish the whole group, the whole group. Okay. but you know you, you've got you've got things sitting in both hands and you, you move one from one to the other so yeah okay i think i lost the analogy then sorry everyone for confusing you okay so we're moving things from one hand to another that's good and where like give us some practical example where do you see it in practice so the the time we'll see this most is uh often large multinational groups but really any kind of group where you might have a reorganization so typically we see geographic reorganizations and entities being moved around. You can, I mean, you'll, you'll see it from external acquisitions. So actually true external acquisitions happen. And then as you're trying to integrate the new business into the group, you then might start moving things around the group to then amalgamate things together, put them in the same holding company, all that kind of stuff. And sometimes we hear the terms things like hive up, yes. hive across, hive Yeah, down. so hive up and hive across. So in recent years, I think a lot of groups, and this probably applies around the world, sort of look at their group structures and there are lots of different legal entities and all sorts of things flying about. And what they tend to do is say, okay, let's rationalise this group structure um, almost condense it down into a smaller number of legal entities and you know if I've got a, a five different businesses and five different legal entities that actually would be best sitting in one place I might literally just out of that legal entity take or hive up that business into a, another group entity somewhere somewhere in the chain and I might do that for all five entities so that I have five businesses in one entity that's known as a hive up so I'm, I'm literally just hiving out uh, carving out the business from from the legal entity and then probably what i'll do is just get rid of the legal entity once i'm finished now if it was just a single asset mm -hmm. you were moving around the group yep. i'm guessing we're not talking about that today no. so in terms of what is being moved around that has to meet the definition of a business to to be into considering whether there's a business combination under common control if you're just moving an asset around then none of this applies at all so okay. we're, we're not Perfect. So we're focusing on businesses mm. today. So we have talked, I can't remember if we personally have talked about, but I'm sure over the years we've been doing this now, talked about business combinations and they're in IFRS 3. Mm -hmm. So are we in IFRS 3 territory? So the reason why we are here today talking about business combinations under common control is the business combinations, as you say, IFRS, uh, business combination standard, as you say, IFRS 3, 
has sort of, here's what's covered in the scope of this standard. And one of the things it particularly specifically carves out is business combinations under common control. So we're then left with a, hmm, what do we do now? Because it's not in the scope of IFRS 3. Even though these things are business combinations by definition, the common control piece is what carves it out of IFRS 3. So we're in accounting limbo. We, we don't know where are, we live. Or we what happens are. when we don't know where we live? What can they do? Where? So when, when we have a scenario, and this applies across all of IFRS, not just this scenario, but when you come across a scenario where you look at the accounting standards, you say, well, IFRS does not deal with this scenario. What do I do? You go to the accounting policy standard IS8, and it tells you, you have to go go and develop an accounting policy using using the standards in, in IFRS as you know as, as principles to look to using the framework, but developing something out of the guidance that exists to, to to come up with a policy. Perfect. So, what is what were the policy choices people looked to? So, uh, clearly, we're, so we're in a situation where clearly, as we said, IFRS three doesn't tell you what to do, and you develop a policy. There isn't necessarily one strict way of coming up with a policy. So, if we were to look at PwC and and the guidance we we have, we would say, well, okay, you look at this situation and you look at the guidance in IS8, and realistically, there are two potential options you have here. One is actually to go to IFRS 3 and say, well, even though technically IFRS 3 scopes out these transactions from the standard, I could still choose to apply the guidance in IFRS 3 to account for my transaction. Equally, I am scoped out of IFRS 3, so my second option would be to use something we, and this is a sort of PwC term to an, to an extent, does have some groundings in, in other gaps, but you could use something called predecessor accounting. So, and what that means is that you look at the, you look at the acquiry, and if usually if you were applying IFRS 3, you would fair value all of the assets and liabilities in the acquiry. Instead of doing that, you would take book values, and I'm, I'm simplifying this because it gets a bit more complicated yeah. than just taking the I say book values, there's, there's a bit more behind that. But you take, you don't have to do a fair value exercise and you use book values and the acquirer then uses those book values in, in order to account for the, for the acquisition. Uh, and there's two ways you can do predecessor accounting. You can use the same method, if you like, as IFRS 3. In other words, you can incorporate the acquired business into the acquirer's books from the acquisition date forward, so prospectively. Or you can do it retrospectively. So you can pretend that actually the acquired entity was always part of the acquirer's groups, uh, acquirer's group, and essentially the acquisition date is not your date for recognising the amount. So it's you retrospectively go back and adjust your your, your books to recognise the acquired entity. Okay, perfect. So generally speaking, people... Um, either look to the guidance in IFRS 3 yeah. or this concept of predecessor. So yeah. effectively what you're carrying around was before any of this yes. happened. Yes. What you, you alluded to some of it then anyway, but what are some of the main differences if you're looking at um, those two approaches? Yeah, I mean, the, the biggest difference um, definitely has to be the fair value exercise. So if you're applying IFRS 3, if you choose to apply IFRS 3, you've got to apply in full. So it's, it's not really an option to cherry pick what you like and what you don't like. Yeah. So that does mean you've got to do a full fair value exercise. There's probably deferred tax implications or there will be deferred tax implications of that. There'll be all, all the normal considerations you have for an acquisition um, down that route. Yeah. If you go down the predecessor route, um, so obviously I alluded to the choice that you have, but using book values means you don't have to do a fair value exercise. It means yeah. you don't have to go and find out 
you know, what are the, the values of these assets as of as of the acquisition date. So that really is sort of, the, I guess, the biggest benefit, if you like, but certainly what makes predecessor accounting more attractive. Yeah, and I suppose the fair value exercise, if um, you've issued shares or paid more than those mm. fair values, you could have additional goodwill that comes in as yes. well, which yeah, you wouldn't have absolutely. under predecessor. Exactly. Not. So it's a proper IFRS 3 full-on BizCon. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And uh, again, probably you've answered the question there, but preferred approach and practice or does it depend? Yeah, it, it does depend. It, I would say for the ones, you know, all the, if I think back in, in time to all the questions I've been ever, not, ever asked on, on, on this topic, majority of cases, predecessor accounting is, is what most companies opt for. And if anything, it's because if you think about these, often these are just internal reorganisations, like I said, rationalising group structures, moving things around to then add on the, the sort of almost hassle, if you like, of a fair value exercise, you know, a lot of companies prefer to say okay let's just do predecessor accounting it's easier perfect so um another thing which comes up we've got a whole chapter about this in the manual of accounting and obviously we talked about this concept of a business combination under common control but in that chapter we also mentioned there's something different called a reorganization Mm. now we've sort of said well bizcom is like a reorganization so what is the difference what am i looking out for to decide it's a reorganization and then what's the accounting for that yeah, so if, let's take an example of, um, and actually the, in terms of the first flag to look for, is in these reorganisation situations, you will always have a new co, so a completely new company that's set up in order to affect this reorganisation. So say you set up this entirely new company, and you've got uh, another another company, another business, some say somewhere else in the group that you want to move under, move into the, the new company. And you affect that by way, of a sh- by way of a share for share exchange. And it's important to note that a, a lot of these group reorganisations, the vast majority, will often be affected by way of these share for share okay. exchanges. So now Nuco has acquired all the shares in this existing business and sits, you know, sits under this, this, this business. When you go and sort of assess just the definition of a business combination, because these are, like we say, still business combinations, or we're assessing whether these are business combinations, IFRS 3 says, well, in the scenario where you've got a share-for-share exchange, you've got to think whether acquirer, i.e. the party that issued shares, is actually really the acquirer. Because you've got no cash changing hands and usually for the acquirer, usually in, in the scenarios where you've got an acquirer, acquirer is paying something out. So it's actually, there's an outflow of resources to acquire a business. And if you work through that sort of the reverse acquisition guidance and, and kind of determine actually who really is the acquirer, you'll find that, well, Nuco actually doesn't really have much substance to it, isn't much going on. And actually the acquiry, the accounting acquiry, the existing business actually is the acquirer to have a business combination you need to have two businesses coming together where one acquires the other you've now got Nuco, which hasn't got a lot going on in it not a business yeah and you've got existing business sitting down below that is a business i can't have a business combination if i don't have two businesses coming together so i've, I've now actually failed the definition of business combination altogether okay so in order the key way to remember this is in order to have a business combination under common control there needs to be a business combination. Yeah. If you don't have a business combination, you've lost that that piece of it. And you say, well, what am I left with? Well, actually, really, effectively, it's just a capital reorganisation. And a capital reorganisation 
is literally saying, well, nothing's really changed with the business that I moved under the moved to under the new co. All that's happened is I've just put a new company on top, but all that's done is is changed a bit of the capital structure, but not changed anything at all in terms of it combining with another business. It's not combined with another business at all. It's still the same as it was before. So it's always important to look at the before and after and say, okay, for the business that's that's kind of moved and been acquired, combining it with the acquiry, uh, acquiring entity, has that actually changed anything? And if the acquiring entity is a new co, the answer is probably no. If the acquiring entity has actually got some substance to it and has a business in there, you go, well, actually, yes, something has changed. I'm, I'm now sitting under another business. Yeah. So if we do decide that we don't meet the definition of mm-hmm. this com- under common control and it's a reorganisation, mm-hmm. then what do we do for accounting? So then what you do in drawing up the consolidated accounts of the new code, because that's really where this all has yeah. an impact, is you basically have a situation where you pretend as if everything is the same uh, as before. So like I said, before and after, nothing's changed. Yeah. So the consolidated accounts of the new code are just going to present... The results of the the underlying business as was you know retrospectively so there's no choice here okay. you're saying in in substance nothing has changed nothing has changed at all for this company i have just slapped on top a, 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 a new co but other than that nothing's changed those consolidated accounts would look exactly the same as any say consolidated accounts that 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 existing business would have prepared before this or this all would have happened I feel like this podcast, we need a moving whiteboard that we can draw we pictures. Do. It's yeah. really hard to explain common control. It is. Like we're waving our hands. I know, I'm waving, waving our hands around. But I'm like, I'd always be drawing a picture of a group structure yeah. and saying like, this is going here. Yeah. And yeah. so it's difficult to do just in voice. But key thing there. So it is a funny, I do find this area of accounting funny because you're mm. sort of saying, one, do I meet the definition of a business combination? Yes. So I have to look into IFRS 3 to yes. work out, yeah. is yeah. there a business? Yes. And do I meet the definition of a business? Yeah. And then when you do, it's like, oh, yeah, but it's a business combination of common control, so you're not in three anyway. Yes. And then, yes. so it is a bit of a loopy one. It's a bit of a loopy one. one. And this one is slightly different in that IFRS 3 is the only standard that defines a business combination. So let's, you know, let's put aside the under common control bit. Yeah. You still end up having to go in there to go, actually, if I got something that is in the scope, of, you know, that even fits in, fits in the standard <laughs> at all. Yeah. And what we're saying is that when you don't have a business combination, Forget the scope out, but you don't even get into the door of IFRS 3 yeah. because you, you don't have something that meets the definition of, of business combination. Okay, so a bit of a loopy one, but very mm. helpful to talk about the two there. So coming on to the last question. So we talked about it is there's no clear guidance. It's not clear if you want, you know, there's no standard it fits into. So when we usually have this, the ISB looks into it. So what's going on at the ISB? So they yeah, I mean, this, this this question has been rumbling for quite some time. The ISB, you know, obviously clearly has been aware of, of the scope exclusion, um, has received many requests over the years of, you know, how, how do we deal with this? They do have a research project uh, ongoing uh, around business combinations under common control. As you can imagine, it's quite a tricky area yeah. to figure out actually what is the best way um, to deal with the accounting here. Current estimates are a sort of discussion paper is perhaps expected next year, so 2020. Okay. 
first half of the year, so still a little way off. So we're going to need a few more podcasts. We're going to have you back yeah, in 2020. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, perfect. Okay, but if you do obviously want an update on the research project, that's on the ISP's mm-hmm. website. And like I mentioned earlier, we do have some manual of accounting guidance with some helpful example with the group structures. So if you, can't, if you haven't followed yes. anything me and Amy are talking about. I would highly recommend, helpful. and obviously shameless plug for, for our manual <laughs> of accounting, but I would highly recommend taking a look at that. And, and like Ruth, you say, there is a handy table actually that's sort of contrasts all the different you know business combination predecessor accounting capital reorganization that again hopefully helps i use it lots (laughs) and don't forget to disclose 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 absolutely always (laughs) the best thing to do okay perfect we've come to the end of our 20 minutes avni thank you very much for coming back and talking about another topic your brain is so big um so uh today we cover common control hopefully we're giving you some um good tips of where to find guidance i'm your host ruth prudy happy accounting The preceding programme was brought to you by PricewaterhouseCoopers LLP. This content is for general information purposes and is not a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.